And there's a touch of, uh, how you might put it, Iberia about this. Henrik Larsson again! Larsson has scored! It's great play from Henrik Larsson. Then the final of the UEFA Cup. There's Hodge and he's done it! A penalty kick. Alan Thompson. He's done it and he makes it look so simple. Celtic a one-up. Really great feeling. This is a magnificent victory for a team and a manager that suffered a lot. Celtic are through to the UEFA Cup final. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Senate Chronicles. I'm your host, Barry Galha, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Alan Edgar. Alan, how are you? I'm good, Barry. I'm good. I'm uh, very excited. Good stuff. And returning to this edition is our leader, Christopher Gallagher. Good, good to have you back, Chris. Thanks very much. Uh, the invitation is always uh, very much appreciated. So thanks for getting involved. Letting me get involved, Barry. No problem at all. And I don't think, as invites go, this is a, a pretty good invite to get because we're going back to the year two thousand, and specifically the twenty fourth of August to the twenty seventh um, of August. And some of you might already know from listening that this is the Demolition Derby 6-2 week. So, as usual, we'll go a bit back to the context. So, before we get to the the music and the film, Alan, what did the year 2000 hold for you? The start of Channel 5, maybe? Was that year 2000? It was 96. 96, 97. 97, maybe. Alan's done his research. (laughs) He's really went heavy in the Celtic stuff and very little (laughs) elsewhere. Um, I I think I'd have been starting secondary school. Um, Yeah, 2000, I started secondary school. So um, all all the nonsense that that brings, just basically meeting more Celtic fans, to be honest, and I think two Rangers fans in my year. Um, So that was about it, Um, going to big school. They would have enjoyed this week, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely, aye. And, and a good few more, aye. <laughs> and Gal, yourself? So, let me talk you through where I was. Um, I turned 18 on the in the June. Uh, I left school in the January. I just came home one day to my mum and I was like, I'm not going back to school. And she was like, okay, cool. So, uh, I didn't have a job or anything. Um, so, I was living a quite a great life of just uh, like watching whatever I wanted on TV, staying up late, applying for the jobs in adverted commas, playing Crazy Taxi on uh, one oh, of the I video games, that. Dreamcast maybe. I just remember the game. Yeah. It was t- you just yeah. drove people about really for money. Yeah, it was a timer and all that. Um, but yeah, so like for, at this point I was jobless, uh, but I, I was not joyless, Barry. That's, that's always good. I was not joyless. So yeah, it was uh, it was a fun time. Perfect. Um, I, d- I did have my 18th birthday at Celtic Park, though. Oh, very nice. Which was nice. amazing. So, Walfrid Suite? Uh, yes, I think so. I think that was... The, I'm pretty sure that was the only one back in the day, to be honest. Whereas now you've obviously... Got lots of them. Lots kind of, of them. For them. And you had... You basically, you came in and uh, you got a wee tour at Celtic Park and then you got your dinner and then you also got like... A, they put on like a play thing and it was like the guy from City Lights. Remember the bank manager oh, yeah. from City Lights who's a big Celtic fan? He was like... Yeah, they just did the whole kind of... Just for you? <laughs> yeah, it was just me sitting in the chair like Mr. Burns like that. <laughs> Release the hounds. Um, but no, it was good. Um, it, was a, it was amazing. So yeah, that was a joy. I've been in 15 at this particular time and this bit never really changes, does it? It's always just usual nonsense and life's revolving around Celtic and some things never change. 
Nope. Um, as always, the number one song um, this particular week was Lucky by Britney Spears. Another contender for end of season song if we win the title this year for <laughs> Michael Beale. Very good. <laughs> I like that quite a bit, to be fair. Bookmark it. Yes. Yeah. And the number one movie was X-Men. And that X-Men something I've never really been into. It's, it's, no, it's none of my business, that's for sure. Do you, Gal, you look like you'd enjoy X-Men? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's normally me that's having a crack at you. He's uh, absolutely... All angles you. these days. Uh, X-Men, uh, directed by Brian Singer, um, who is... Uh, Told you. <laughs> he's, uh, he's on the bad list. Um, oh, he's, a, he's a bad one. Uh, no, it's good. It's Actually, that's you could watch that X-Men movie, the first one. You could watch it without any prior knowledge of anything to do with the story and it kind of it's its own self story so yeah that's probably one of the better ones because they had a lot of channels after that but yeah it's good did you like britney spears quite a bit <laughs> quite okay, britney spears and sarah michelle geller for for a i'm sure a 15 year old and an 18 year old and whatever i don't even want to go <laughs> sure that's a bit. i was 10 mate drop it <laughs> leave it yeah. yeah so the first game we're going to focus on um is Celtic versus Eunice Esch in the UEFA Cup. But before we get to that, it was a, a monumental summer for Celtic. Um, we were down in the doldrums, and we've mentioned this in previous pods, um, the ill-fated John Barnes and Kenny Dalglish era. Um, the wheels had come off fairly quickly in the season before. Things unraveling at the end of January, start of February, and then Dalglish took over. And although he did win a cup for us... Um, we were really looking for a leader, um, and boy, did we get one with Martin O'Neill. And Gal, you've got some some um, information you could share with us here? Yeah, so 1999-2000, the season before is, is Barry kind of uh, highlights. I was just looking at the, the table, so um, we finished second, obviously. We finished on 69 points, uh, Rangers finished on 90, so that's what... <laughs> 21 points difference, uh, which is absolutely massive. Uh, we lost nine games that season. Um, although weirdly, not weirdly, but like our goal, dif- our goals for was 90. Like that's quite a quite a high goal difference for our goals but, for for that team. About 70 of them were against Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that season. Um, but yeah, um, we obviously, so this is the season before, as we say, um, Super Cali go ballistic and all that stuff. That cost Barnes's job. That was the third round of the Scottish Cup, so we didn't last long there. The League Cup, we did in fact win, as, as Barry says. Um, the Derby game, the last Derby game of that season, which would have been the last Derby game before the game we're going to talk about, um, we lost four goals to nil. Um, Alberts get two, Kinchelski and Van Bronckhurst, and and I don't know if you guys remember watching that, but I distinctly remember watching that, thinking we are never getting close to them ever again. Like they've put, they've pulled away. I'm sure that's how Rangers fans felt about us under um, Rogers. Like it just felt like we cannot get close to them because we lost that game four nil, and it was about it was four nil going on about ten. Yeah, I remember Sunday afternoon um, was watching that with my cousins, and as you say, it just. That's probably, there's obviously been sore defeats since and before that, but that's one of the worst I can remember. Yeah. Because the Celtic team was kind of patched together because, as we'd said, the the season was unravelling and it just felt like it was a country mile between us. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was articles that summer, I think Gabriel McCotty maybe wrote one, saying that Celtic were at least five years behind Rangers and that felt generous. Um and I remember the, the Rangers not have that spiky golf shoes thing that they were, oh. they were traipsing on us so much that they were going to stamp us into the ground. And then obviously you had the sort of triumphalism of um, David Murray, etc. at that point. So, yeah, it was a really sore 
sore one. Um, they'd, they'd obviously brought in for, you know, younger people who maybe don't have a lot of knowledge or background at that time, but they'd brought in Advocate the season before and... Um, or was that, that was Advocate's first season? First season. It? That was his first season <clears> and, you know, for them to kind of sweep away, like do the double, you know, there was just a whole big thing about this is the start of a Rangers revolution in which they're going to push on to the Champions League, they're going to bring in all these amazing players and obviously it was a house of cards but, you know, from outside looking in at that time, it was terrifying. <laughs> I, th- I think that that terrifying idea, I think, lingers for me and I, I think maybe the thing to point out as well is as much as, and we can be quite critical of, you know, the way mainstream media I like to hype up, but see when you are 10, 15 and, you know, 18, 18. Uh, you, you are more impressionable. You do kind of tend to think you're more likely to believe. And I think at that time, at that time there certainly was. A, if you did read something in the newspaper, you read something now and you think about who wrote it, you think more about <laughs> the, the source, the context, yeah. is it just a, whereas see when you're that age, you read the headline, you probably read the first couple of lines and then you switch off. And at that time, Every other day, it just felt like Rangers were linked to another 10, 11, 12 million pound player. Superstars. And, like. they, and they did go on and obviously sign some of them, or that maybe some of them didn't, but it did just feel like, I mean, for a period, it did feel, feel like when you turned on STV News, whoever it was would have been at Glasgow Airport and then there was somebody else arriving that you'd maybe heard of, you'd maybe not heard of, but either way, you're spending 8 million in the year 2000 or whatever, you just thought, aye. And this was the first summer really where it felt like Actually, we were trying to fight back a little bit, and I think at that time the only thing you thought was that it, you needed to spend money, and you know we did throw some money about, but still felt like it was a big gulf. Oh, um, it really did, and you know you read out those results. I remember that game, to be honest, all too well, and it did feel like this we could easily have another decade like we did in the nineties, easily because it felt like we had start like with John Barnes. I certainly felt John Barnes kind of dalglish the dream team. This is going to be great, and that quickly fell apart. It almost felt like, where do we go from here? Yeah. You know, aye. I think as well that it was the lack of stability as well because obviously Tommy Burns had left a couple of years previous. Then Jansen gave us a season, Doctor Joe, and then Barnes hadn't even lasted what six months, six seven months, and. You start to become a bit of a laughing stock, I think. Yeah. And then abject performances like that one at Ibrooks. And it wasn't just the results against Rangers because we were we were dropping selling yeah. points all over the place. All over the place. And yeah, it was a crisis point. Um and I think this is why the the sort of period we've chosen is so crucial and so memorable to us because we did start to see light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. So it's worth mentioning, um I know we mentioned the Junis S game that we're gonna Briefly discuss, and then we'll move on to the 6-2 game, but Celtic had started the season really well, um, and the week before, the the weekend before the, the 6-2 game, we'd gone to Tynecastle, a place that traditionally even now has a big fixture, um, and Celtic have sometimes found it difficult there, but um, we went there, and Chris Sutton was started to show and how good he was, yeah, Absolutely a brilliant centre-forward performance. Lubo was exceptional as well, and the likes of Peta, um, Petrov were all coming into the fore, so that really sort of whet the appetite for the week ahead. Back with Celtic is Jackie McNamara, Tommy Boyd moving to the bench. The other change, of course, is the return of Chris Sutton. Now, the Ayatollah of Stamford Bridge has been making some disparaging remarks about him, so now's the time to ram the words back down the man's throat. 
and revive his career in Scotland. Celtic winning the balls though in midfield. Petrov tried a little one-two and there it's taken away from his own goalkeeper. Celtic menacing again, there's Sutton, he's done it. Chris Sutton scores his second goal for the club in the right position at the right time and answering his critics in the south in the most positive manner. Picked up well by Pitt and look at the curl in the ball but the big fella had to be in the right place at the right time and look at the way he controlled it with that downward angled header. Celtic at this uh, stage deservedly up to the very expensive signing beginning payback time for this man. Actually touch run by Sutton. Powerful run, he's still with it. He's got two players inside and he can't get it across. And we've seen uh, two sides of this man, both the, the neat way he came in to take his header and also that surging powerful run. supposed to be marking Celtic two up and you can see the way he creeps into that space and again deftly dealt with still had to guide the ball in there Amaravchik there he is again almost in Lambert just pass in there was a deflection, I think Larson might have got a touch. Lambert took it beautifully, drilling it in. And I suspect there was a touch by Henrik Larson. Well, they can argue about that one in the dressing room between the pair of them. Let's see how we can adjudicate this. Back out to Lambert it goes. And blasted in. And there might have been the slightest touch there by this man. Will he claim it? Tomorrow, that's a better ball, and hearts have pushed forward. Left gaps again. Sutton, here's Moravchik, and run the outside. There it is, that does it. He took that so well, just when hearts were getting back into the game. The counter attack, gaps in the hearts defense. They had a lot of work to do, even though they had possession. They kept it well. Good uh, combination here between the pair of them. But look what he had to do yet. Remarkable how composed he kept himself because that was a really superbly taken goal. I've got to say that we were never coasting. Um, perhaps if you can talk about maybe turning points in the game just after halftime, we've got a penalty. We've missed the penalty. And um, a minute later, we missed a decent chance. Hearts uh, got a bit of bit of hope and heart from that there they come back at us very very strongly scored a goal had us under the cosh delighted to get again a goal again to, to, to lead 4-1 and even then it was far far from, from certain and I, I think the thing about 
you mentioned some of the names there and some of the names we heard there. O'Neill was, obviously Sutton came in and he was impressive right away, but O'Neill was then starting to get a tune out of guys who had been there and hadn't impressed. Yeah. And I think, when I think back to Martin O'Neill, that's one of the things that I always think about. And I think even now to this day, we always now think, right, when a manager comes in, who's the player that he discarded? I mean, when Ange came in, that was what we thought, right, who will, who will, who will he rescue? You know, the way that Brendan Rodgers kind of had done in a way for Scott Brown, the way O'Neill did for Petter and guys like that. But it's just one of those things you think of now. There will be one player that's discarded that will now be resurrected. And, and that player it, was Jonathan Gould. <laughs> the Petter conundrum, if you like now. That's the... That's just the way you think about it now. Well, can I see the funny thing about Petter, right? My obviously he came in before O'Neill and O'Neill transformed him. In my mind, even to this day, I still have to remind myself how much he transformed him because like he played in the Valencia game. Mm-hmm. Like he played you know, he I was for some reason in my mind when I think about it casually, always think that Petter left earlier than he did. But he got a tune out of him and he you know, he, he got a you know, he, he cobbled that team together in a way that you know, there obviously there is absolute talent there, but they were not a team. No, and you you kind of half jokingly there, Gould. That it's worth remembering. There's players there who, for a short period of time, maybe not the longevity of Peter that he got to of. There's like Sir Stephen Mahe, yeah, mm-hmm. um, Gould, etc. As well, and Tom Boyd, Tom, yeah, for the for most of the season, um, the first season anyway. But the short, sharp impact that O'Neill had on their careers was perfect. And just talking, just that the Ten Castle game that we've just mentioned. That's when I think O'Neill started to see the value of Lubo. Because mm-hmm. Lubo was unreal that day. Um, and he did use them kind of sparingly, and he, he would continue to use them sparingly, but I think, um, obviously O'Neill's done a lot of media work recently because of his book, but he didn't appreciate straight away how good Lubo was. Um, and I think it was the sort of this week where they started to see how, how good that Lubo could be. See, the just on the, on the Hearts game at Tynecastle. Luba Maravchik's goal in that game is a goal that, if you look at it, you know, it's a goal that maybe people don't really think about. But I, I've watched it today, I've watched that goal at least four or five times. I put it in slow motion. Um, Celtic break, uh, there's a pass to Sutton. Sutton has this unbelievable layoff. And then the technique and the ability and the drop of the shoulder and the timing and how he, sh- how he shoots. Go and watch this goal. Pause the podcast now, go and watch that goal because it's really sublime and it's really it just kind of sums up how great he was in his wee celebration the technique is sensational see just on that as well the way that he delays before he hits it yeah there was a goal what goal was it recently Kyogo um, at McDermott, McDermott Park that reminded me of it as well because most people aren't expecting him to get that sort of purchase mm-hmm. behind the shot and he lifts it high above the keeper but it's brilliant just the way that Lubo sort of glided past him and off the bar as well, isn't it? Oh, beautiful. I, I think one of the things when you talk about Lubo and O'Neill is he's almost like an outlier in that he probably didn't naturally fit O'Neill's no. idea of how Celtic should play. You know, he, he liked, obviously, you think you pick the archetypal Martin O'Neill team. I don't think Lubo makes it for a lot of people, but it's not because he's not good enough. I mean, he clearly is, but it's just because you, you don't think of him. You think about... Petrov, on uh, Petrov, Lennon, Thompson. Lambert. You know, you, you hard know, workers, Thompson, yep. hard getting up and down the wing, getting up and down the midfield, but overpowering teams. I, yeah, I think one of, one of the things about Lowe is, and it highlights his quality that you would fit him in, and that sounds like you're being negative about him. It's not. It's just Martin O'Neill had did have a very clear way that he wanted to win with this team, but Lowe was just Lowe and. 
you know, you think of some of the some of the most incredible moments of Lubo's career under O'Neill, you know, we've talked about it before, but, you know, the two at Ibrox, good players like that just managed to find a way, um, and, and Lubo was definitely one of them. See what I think as well, see, like, so, if Maravchik hadn't have been there, then O'Neill, it would have been business as usual, right? But see, because Maravchik was there, I think, in a way, it kind of got O'Neill thinking differently, because how he performed in that sort of, sometimes when he came on, like, a free roll or just off the left or whatever, um, I think it gave O'Neill a, a weird headache in that this guy's incredible, this guy brings a brand new dimension and he was thinking about different dimensions and that's why I honestly think when Lubo retired, we try to get uh, your man, uh, the little Buddha from, from Barcelona, oh, Ivan yeah. De La Pena. we try to get Rivaldo, we eventually got Janino, didn't really work out. It showed that Lubo, I think, was one in a one in a million, but also that he maybe got O'Neill thinking a, a little bit differently. You could buy a hundred players to try and replicate what Lubo does, oh, and you genuinely you wouldn't get one better than him, or one even on a par with him. I don't think we we really really did luck out. With Gift Lobo. from God, man, hundred mm-hmm. percent. So moving on then to the midweek game um, in the UEFA Cup, it was Celtic against Junisesh. Um I'll just quickly run through the team. You'll notice that Celtic, um, understandably, would rest some players um, ahead of the big derby at the weekend. So, we had Gould and Goals, Raphael, Tebele, Reseth, Mialbe, Healy, Peta, Lambert, Berkovic, Lynch and Burchill. Um Alan, seeing that team, or hearing that team again, how does how does that grab you? Yeah. Uh, Scares you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did we have? A, a 4-0 lead, I think. Yeah. Um, but still... Um, there's there's talent in there. There's musical talent in there. I think as well. Um, uh, yeah, O'Neill. I think we talk about it a lot, and I think sometimes even when we talk about Andrew Celtic now, one of the things we point out is that he's got that O'Neill thing a little bit of. It sometimes just doesn't like to change things, and this is obviously an occasion that O'Neill just knew that the game in the twenty seventh. This game is the twenty fourth. It's such a you just need to get through it. So yeah, you know guys like Larson on the bench. Not often that was the case. Um, Brady John Cole on the bench, of course. Yep. That's just one. It's just a quiz question. Always <laughs> a quiz question. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. I don't. I don't have any. I'll be entirely honest. I don't have particular memories of the game at the time. I think it was all. Um, I think it was all eyes on the Sunday. To be honest, just yep. get through. Just before I come to you, Gal, I remember just when you were talking there, Alan. Was see sometimes probably more negative now, but see when. If in Europe a, a campaign's maybe petered out and you're thinking, oh, I wish we could just fast forward this game. I remember vividly having that about this game because we had one 4 yeah. away and it was shaping up to be the biggest RB in ages mm-hmm. because of everything we've just mentioned. And it was very much that, just get through this. Um, Don't anybody get hurt. Yeah, Aye. and I think when you saw the team, you were kind of comforted by that. Gal, what's your sort of memories of this? Uh, I, I weirdly remember this game pretty, pretty, like, pretty well. Um, and I remember Butchel scores the fastest ever hat-trick right fastest ever European hat-trick um, 12, 14, 15 that's the, the minutes that he scores it and I remember like turning to my sister and being like that's got to be a record I remember just being like how quickly he scored that that's got to be a record um, and you get the record for acknowledging that it was a record so who was the that first that? to say that could have been a record it was me so um, but yeah I, it was just like it was done really quickly, and as Alan says, like your mind instantly goes like so. That's your phone up already. 
you're seven nil up within fifteen minutes. Turnstiles. Everybody's thinking aye, the same aye, thing. Turnstiles. Eighteen um, year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean it was just aye, it was just complete another utter um domination and uh Simon Lynch and, you know, uh Burchill getting to play. Um because Burchill never really like he did play games and obviously he, he, he you know, I, I always think about coming on in the five one game and stuff like that, but you know, he, he never really got an opportunity, and for a number of reasons, probably. But um, you know, to have to to beat Celtic and to to break any sort of record, I think is great. So definitely have that moment. And it's worth mentioning as well that he'd quite publicly come out and said he wanted to move yeah. on. I think because you could see. I, it, I don't. I, I, do you know what? I don't even remember that. Yeah, maybe it was transfer listed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Back in the day when players were transfer listed, listed yeah. it was a thing. They had a, big t- they had a big T above their head when they came out on the stadium. Because I printed sure. it out every morning just to see if <laughs> any good players on it. Ah, Matt Burch was on it now. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, because I remember at the time people were saying, I wonder if that will change. You know, you do that thing where you forget the opposition, you think we scored a hat trick, okay, could yeah. he start on Saturday or Sunday? But there was no chance. And I remember Martin O'Neill saying it potentially could change Mark's. Do players get transfer listed anymore? Really? Like, you never really hear it, do you? You don't ever really hear about a player being on the transfer list. The, the, the expression we now use is they're available as opposed to yeah. he's directly being transferred. Transfer request occasionally, but even there, they're quite rare now. But even like Jack Marcus, when he left, it, he never you never heard about him being on the transfer list, no. even though we were accepting bids from other players, um, other teams. We'll bring it back. I, I like it, I know. I it was it. very clear, you knew where you stood, didn't you? It's back today, as of today. <laughs> yes, time travelling back. Yeah, so the the sort of one standout, as we mentioned, was Mark Burchill breaking the record uh, for the quickest hat-trick. Um, and My boy Vidar scored, of course. Yep. Reset Berkovic, who scored two. Um, another player who came in with great fanfare but never really hit the heights. Even, even Martin O'Neill couldn't turn him round. No, that's true. He did, he did play quite a bit though in the yeah, first Yeah, I know, but yeah. that was necessity, I think, more than... Aye, definitely. I, I really never liked Berkovic at all. No. Um, and Petrov was the other scorer then, so it's time to stop pussyfooting around, I believe was the, the quote from our good up. friend Ian Crocker. Build up time. So, yeah. <coughs> Shall we play the wee clip of the Junezeshesh thing? Yes, yeah, go for it. Let's go for it. Back to Europe. <clears throat> in the return against Jeunesse at Celtic Park, Mark Burchell scored the fastest hat-trick in European history with goals in the 12th, 14th and 15th minutes. Mark Burchell scored for Celtic. Long ball forward, well taken by Burchell. Can he get a shot on target? Here he does, another goal by Mark Burchell. Simon Lins, eager to get involved as well. Good ball forward for Berkovic. Another opportunity for Celtic. Berkovic led it back. Hat-trick for Mark Burchell. 14 minutes gone. The boys added another four goals to Burchill's three. Seven nothing on the night. Eleven nothing on aggregate. A fantastic display. Passage was secured to the next round, but everyone's optimism was on hold ahead of the season's first meeting with Rangers. Just to kind of set the scene before we delve into the six-two game, it was it's worth mentioning, and this happened. Um, fairly regularly since that both us and our rivals had won all the league games so 100% record uh, going into this fixture so I'm sure the media at that point would say how evenly balanced it was and the form goes out the window etc um, but Alan you've got some interesting um, words of wisdom from the little general the genitals <laughs> yeah I always like um, Love that. 
like nowadays I, I, the, I've really struggled with the build up to these games because especially now with Twitter you can't really avoid if either manager says something big and I immediately just think right worst case scenario so if we say something complimentary about Rangers or we say something complimentary about ourselves I didn't think oh no it's overconfidence so yeah. I try and ignore it um, but at that time obviously it was just it was just the newspapers and presumably the radio but you know I yeah, we would always get, you know, just the, the bus down to the game. So you never really had the radio on. So I remember the the newspaper. Um, we went to the McDonald's, I think, at Parkhead um, before the game, which tended not to do, to be honest. Ten-year-old Alan, happy meal, please. Yes, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> two shots um, of strawberry milkshake. <laughs> yeah. Martin O'Neill would not have been impressed. Um, he, he does like to have a go at people's, uh, I don't know, he was on, did you hear him on Sports Sound? Uh, not Sports Sound off the ball, I think. He was having a go at Tam Cowns. That's right. Wait, he was having a go at John Hartson's weight Remember recently. this thing about, I think Stuart Kerr had maybe come out and criticised him for not playing and he said uh, he was a goalkeeper until <laughs> he discovered Walker's Crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking beautiful. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I remember kind of just going through the newspaper and the one thing that always sticks in my head, I think I maybe talked about it not that long ago, was always the quote from Advocate about um, Valharan. And um, I managed to find it today just to make sure it wasn't a figment of my imagination. But um, in pre-match press conference, presumably, it's in the daily record from the, the, the day of the game, it was, um, he'd said that just for Haran is a good player and was on my list of transfer targets. But I went for Bert Conterman because he's Dutch and I knew him as a player, which was a ringing endorsement of uh, the Advocate <laughs> signing policy. I was going to sign this really good player, but I knew another guy who's Dutch. I mean, because he's a professional. So you you, you put you go twenty years in the future, and that's Neil Lennon. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> I, what I mean? But I just always remember because at this point, obviously, we don't know that Conterman's. Shite. Well, shite. <laughs> but, so you're kind of thinking, but even then... He was then, a Dutch internationalist, though. Yeah, it's still shite. No, no, what I mean is, like, when you look at if you actually look at it on paper, mm-hmm. he did look quite impressive where he was coming from. He was a Dutch internationalist. He did turn out to be utter garbage, but, yeah, he did. you know. Um, but in doing so, I did uncover another Dick Advocate quote that completely... I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything about it, which is a more kind of scandalous quote as well. But... It, they're talking about John Barnes, um, and he refuses to answer the question because he doesn't want to be disrespectful to John Barnes, who's a former Celtic manager. But he then goes on to say about current Celtic manager, Martin <laughs> O'Neill, all I will say is that I know how O'Neill thinks about football. There is nothing he can do to surprise me in this game. <laughs> Lovely. I mean, that is genuinely quite a bizarre thing to say now let's not take it out of context he is saying that there's nothing he can do to surprise me I mean you, you, you get hammered mate it's a really bizarre thing to say that Martin was a pretty pretty good coach you know he'd done incredible things down with Leicester Leeds were after him and Leeds at that point were really kind of pushing to be but, a uh, top top team European semi-finals it's, it's just yeah. a bizarre thing to say I don't want to be disrespectful to the manager who gets sacked from Celtic and is no longer in charge so I'll now make a comment about the current Celtic manager that really kind of plays is it, it to down. do maybe with status like one of them's John Barnes and one of them's Martin O'Neill and that I don't, I don't, I'm just trying to think. I, I just find it bizarre, but um, I don't know why yeah. you put yourself out like that. Like, really put yourself on the line before a huge, huge. That just shows you his arrogance and their expectation going into that game. I always found that. Now, can I see the Barry? But I always found with 
Advocates Rangers and obviously Smith Rangers before him. But I felt Advocate particularly was very, very, you might say, self-confident. I, I found him to be arrogant. Now, look, they spent a lot of money, they had a good squad. But you're playing against a, a manager who's brought in kind of quality players and has got off to a good start. You would maybe just try and dial it down a bit. So look, I just like it when they make a fool of themselves and they say really stupid things and it's even better with hindsight. So all the better. Dick by name, dick by nature. Hey, I mean, he, got, he literally got... For, this is the moment because they'd won all those games, right? As as we had won our games, from here on in, we basically ran him out of town. Yep, like completely yep. ran him out of town. He was he was kind of heralded as this forward thinking, progressive, the new sort of new wave of coaches, and he's going to make it one season, and then we fucking ran him out of town. Yeah, this was his last last year at Rangers. Yeah, no, I think he was here the season after. He went into, but I think he kind of left at right. Christmas time. Aye, McLeish yeah. came in. Aye, mm-hmm. ran him out of fucking Moved town. Pathetic. Definitely. And it's, it's just, as you say, m- mad to put yourself out there like that. And uh, not to jump too far ahead, but she went out to sub Rickson, what, oh. 20 minutes into the game. I'm going to thought, I knew O'Neill was going to do this. That was the, <laughs> that was the glory days. I, I, I sat in the main stand at that point and on the right hand side, same side as you now. It's obviously the away dugout. And I just loved it. It was just great seeing a player getting hooked that early in a game like this, as you say. But we'll, we'll, we'll it happened a few times as well. I remember, I remember him and Michael Ball the following season. Yeah, had yeah. a kind of set too. Actually, yeah, nineteen ninety nine was his first season. Ah, so this was his. So this was his third. Third, yeah. Still ran him out of fucking town. The difficult third season. Aye, but one one and a half seasons of O'Neill when he was gone, mm-hmm. when his yeah. first proper challenge. Uh, in his last season, at Rangers was Celtic leading the SPL by twelve points. Advocate resigned. From the manager's position on the 12th of December 20, 2001. Oh, it'd been better if it said resigned in disgrace. Yeah. Is it Wikipedia? Can you amend it? It does say here that Rangers entered administration uh, and then liquidation. <laughs> so, Well, let's not skip too far ahead. Make <laughs> <laughs> you plenty of content on that coming up. Um, yeah, sorry, buddy. Now, just again, um, we've said this before in many pods, but what a day it was in terms of weather. Sun shining. Mixed with battle lining, you know. Yep. And it's un- quite unusual to get... <laughs> Very good. It's quite unusual to get a, a derby um, in August. Um, I can't remember any since. If it was, it's probably the very tail end as this was. But as we say, things were evenly matched before this. Um, Celtic were off the back of some really consistent performances domestically and obviously an 11 0 aggregate score in the UEFA Cup. So. We'll go straight into the, the team then. So Celtic started with Gould. Do you not want to hear about the, the thing that happened when I was in the stadium? Yes. So um, you, were, you were meant to assume that, Barry. Yeah, you were. Um, we've got we've got the the Gallagher thing, and I always miss out. Uh, that. He sometimes turns it off. Um, <laughs> but uh, so my sister, um, I was with her on the twenty fourth uh, for the Junisesh Esh game. But then what happened was she got a really bad. Um, uh, she got pneumonia and um, she had to be put into hospital um, and she had to have like an operation she almost died but she didn't no no but like so it's in the context of this is so the 6-2 game uh, she couldn't go to so Chris Bowd got the ticket and uh, when me and Bowdy we, we went to we had a few drinks and all that and then we went we're in the stadium and uh, we got a juice beforehand always get a Fanta still do always the same oh Aaron yep um, and and <laughs> uh, as we're stand, as I get my fan and I'm going to get a straw. I go and I'm just like talking to Bowd and I'm picking a straw, and he grabs my hand like that, like genuinely goes, "What the fuck do you think you're doing?" And I was like, 
and I had a blue straw and he just went, put that down, pick up a green straw. And I thought he was joking and he's, I was like, okay, and I did it. And then we won 6-2. So every time I get a straw... I don't, I don't think you can even pick them up now separately. But what, what a week you had. Unbelievable. First that virtual thing in the US. <laughs> <laughs> Very big. Bowed Vulture and a ticket as well, the original Vulture. Oh, yeah. So I think we can thank, thank Chris Bowed for this. It wasn't no, Martin O'Neill who masterminded. It was Chris Bowed with, Bowd. The, with the green straw. Dick Advocate never seen Chris Bowd coming. <laughs> that's what... That's what's wrong. <laughs> he had O'Neill figured, but he never... The, the Bowd effect. The Bowd effect. Yep, so... The Celtic team was Gould and Goals, Valharan, Stubbs and Mahi were the back three. Um, McNamara on the right of midfield, Petrov, Lambert and Lubo, um, sort of in the number 10 row. Petter on the left and then Larson and Sutton up front. Um, it's interesting this point because we mentioned earlier about O'Neill maybe not fancying Lubo so much up until this sort of period, but Johan Mialbe could hardly get a look in. Um, and I know that's something that will change in this game. But it's funny how just players had to kind of prove themselves. Players who, I mean, Albert come in and done well um, the, the kind of previous two seasons. Um, but he found himself on the bench there. But in terms of starting 11, uh, Gal, how did you feel about, about that? Um, I was never a fan of Johnny Gould. I know yeah. I know. people look back now and, you know, hindsight, you know, is... Can be, some man he hates him, do they? Uh, I, I know that, I know that uh, for, a lot, for some people, you know, that sort of hindsight can be more forgiven for, for some players. But no, I think... I always worried about Gould. Um, Valharan, fantastic new signing. Well, uh, just, shiny. just to clarify, you would have played Barry John Cole in the game? No, I would have played Stuart Kerr. Mm. I, mean, I, mean, bench I, I mean, I fucking wouldn't have. But that's my point. That's, it's <laughs> like what, what Put that Molly bag down. Keep his knee bag in a grab bag. <laughs> um, but you know, it's funny, Like as you say, like this whole thing about you look at that team and <laughs> it's not far off the team that was playing the season before. With the exception, obviously, Valharan. Sutton. And Sutton. Yep. Uh-huh. That's actually... That, oof, oof. Uh, but yeah, so Gould, um, not great. Valharan, shiny new toy, who looked really, really fast in this first couple of games, so that was great. Stubbs back, um, which was good to see. Mahi, you know... <sighs> I think he had said in the week before that he's a bit of a hothead. Aye. Which was news to everyone yeah. <laughs> that read it. But also, I think, you know, Mahi shows, you know, Mahi really shows his worth mm. towards the end of the game. Yep. Um, superb. Jackie, Petrov, Lambert, Maravchik, Peta. You know, Petrov, we still didn't really know that much about in regards to how good he'd actually be long-term because he'd mm. obviously been played at right-back or whatever for, for Barnes. This this is the game that kind of Petrov kind of came out from the shadows, I think. Um, Larson and Sutton. Outrageous. Yep. Probably the best front two I've ever seen at Celtic, maybe. Definitely, and I think, as I mentioned, the, the start that Sutton had made was exceptional. Obviously, the, the winner, the first game of the season at mm-hmm. Tannadice, and then two goals at Tynecastle um, the week before. And I remember the the away leg of Junisesh, the link-up play between Larson and Sutton was really starting yeah. to, to come yeah, into yeah. fruition for a couple of goals. So it was all set up for us to really... Go to town with Rangers, Alan, just before we get into the details, what are you thinking of that starting line up? Yeah, I, I think uh, hindsight is entirely more forgiving for me, and I, I I do quite like Johnny Gould, but then I was probably too young, and I think I maybe thought what came before him and what came after him. I think then when you put him into that context, you put him beside some of our best goalkeepers, he doesn't stand up. But I don't know, I just... He was nice to me outside Celtic Park a few times <laughs> as well. Okay, right, here we go. Uh, no, 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 that's no, exactly what it is. 
Well, yeah, I used to always try and get the goalie's um, signatures, so it wasn't a great cast of characters over the years, to be honest, whereas Johnny Gould, he was part of a successful team, and I just, I don't know, I just associate him with actually winning things, whereas the goalkeepers that came before him, not for lack of trying. Johnny Gould win? Other than being part of the squad? Fuck out of you, was it? Jesus See, yeah, I'm just talking about getting the goalkeeper's autograph was um, Stuart Kersall Greasy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hold What's this bag of shit? In fact, I, you know, just, I'll keep holding him, son. He looked at me and thought, no, I don't know if I'll get them back there. Um, yeah, I think it's, I look at that and it's, it, it, it's like O'Neill V1, isn't it? And obviously that's fairly self-explanatory, but I think you read out a team and you can kind of associate at what period it is, even though a lot of the, a couple of names like Mahi, even Boyd, you know, playing a part in the game. It's all things that were very, very early on when they tried to move on from, but that core really remained throughout his era. And as, as Gal says, it was, I think it was pretty basic in terms of the way we tried to do it. Um, we were really strong up top, but at this point you didn't, Sutton had to go off to a good start, but it was all about the, the Rangers game that's really when you kind of had an idea like we've had a good start but if you don't win the game or even worse if you really lose the game is it just going to be more of the same and you knew at that time we weren't going to spend the same again the next summer that we did that summer and you, you know, I don't know it's... you know there's something about uh, you know see the goals that uh, Sutton scores against Hearts they it's like he powers through these headers and it's like this sort of it's like a howitzer like powering through and you know you needed that physicality in these games there was a lot there was a there was a level of meekness to us in Derby's kind of previous especially that 4-0 game yeah especially and um, I just remember thinking we need to be strong here we need to like be quite physical and Sutton was the perfect remedy for that I I just think as well it is entirely a cliche but you can do at this point you could do anything you like in any other game and it is an impressive start O'Neill without doubt came in and people got behind him but to beat Rangers, you, you you had to see it to kind of believe it. In a game that mattered, you needed to see it. You needed it four times that year or not to get cuffed three times and win one, which we had kind of done a few times. So, yeah, um, yeah that's it really was a case that we just need to see it to believe it. Can I ask what your expectations were of this game going into it? Because I can kind of remember, this is one of the only games <clears throat> where I couldn't have, a, I, didn't, I genuinely didn't have a read on it. Because I was so excited about everything that's happening, but I felt like obviously under Barnes it was a bit of a false dawn, and I didn't want to get my hopes up. And I just, I just remember going, thinking to myself, like, who knows, like whatever happens, happens, sort of thing. I think, I think I was fairly confident, not obviously to the degree of how it would turn out, but I think because of the encouraging signs of Sutton, and just to kind of go back a wee bit, I remember Sutton had said on his first day, "I'm here to put Rangers in a place." <laughs> Love it. So. Again, that buys into that sort of that you're talking about, Alan. Like that's we're going to look really silly if that doesn't yeah. come on. But I think the signs were encouraging. We'd gone to Tannadice in one. We'd gone to Castle in one. Petrov was starting to. I remember he scored the winner against Motherwell. I think um, yeah. scored a few goals. Petrov was looking good as well. So you were just hoping we'd give a good account of ourselves. But I remember feeling I felt that we could beat them, but you're always never sure. I think ex- excited. Is without doubt the the way I, I to be honest I probably felt exactly how I feel going into derby games now and that excited, optimistic, but ultimately you just think it I, I won't be able to handle it seeing and I, 
it doesn't get any easier. Like, see, I know it's different now with allocation things, but you know, until fairly recently, going to derbies, it's yeah, the idea of going and seeing Rangers fans celebrating. Genuinely, it, it never, it, it didn't get any easier from the first time to probably the last time, and I can't remember when the last time would have been with proper allocation. It does not get any easier. So the excitement is always tempered with real fear that it could potentially be one of, and this does sound dramatic, but it could be one of the worst days of your life. <laughs> so if you're listening, you've never been to a derby, I hope you enjoy if you ever go. It's It could be both the best or worst day of your life. I think as well, um, kind of sitting, you were main stand as well, but yeah. see when you went in and you just, it felt different as soon as you went up the stairs. Yeah. Like they had that big allocation kind of halfway behind the goals from the corner. They um, always tended to be in, away fans always tend to kind of fill their section much, much earlier as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously the warm-up as well, <clears throat> there was more purpose to it. Like it felt like, because of the hatred you had for the players, but it felt like a European game, but then some because of the way they warmed up. They always, in that era as well, and to be honest, I think it's something, but they, they always tended to, they would always do something pre-game that would really rile up the Celtic crowd potentially just by being there to be honest but they would always <laughs> they would always go over and make like a wee gesture or they would make a point uh, they would do their warm up and then they would maybe kind of walk right up the main stand like yeah. really close to the touchline and I just I mean it was hard going to be honest I, I, wor- I, I worked I sat in the Jockstein and as you come up they're directly in front of you so it, and it was as Alan said Alan Barry said <clears throat> it was the entire the entire side and um you just walked out and it was like literally this you know like in star wars when you see darth vader for the first time or you see like you know the empire's whole fleet or whatever and it's just like this horrible fucking you're you know when, obviously, what's, what's the x-men equivalent mate that, that'll really bring it home when you see uh what do you call them magnetos uh i don't fucking know but it's just like you walk up the stairs and you just see them all and your stomach just drops and you just feel instantly ill and <laughs> But, like, you know, I... Then you shout something, you feel better. Ah, you feel good. <laughs> but, like, you know, I'd, I'd been a, a number of derbies before that. But this one, it just felt like, oh, we need to win. Definitely. Just, just wanted to win so bad. Just seeing all the, the banners as well, like, barhead bears and all that. Just <laughs> horrible stuff like that. Big, horrible, red, white and blue, horrible banners. That's nice for the barhead bears getting a wee shout out Cynic Pod, enjoy. <laughs> um, on the bench, then, we had... Kerr, Berkovic, and we had Boyd. Mialbi and, and Butchel. There we go. The Rangers team, go through this quickly. So they had Claus, Rickson. They had Claus? It's literally. It's the Barhead Bears again. He was one of the fellas in X-Men. I'm Claus, I can rip you apart. Claus. He's quite camp. <laughs> I bet Claus, I can rip you apart. What the hell are you like on? a scathing one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> That's his superpower. <laughs> Where were we? Um, Conterman, Amoruso, Vidmar, Reina, Ferguson, Van Bronckhurst, McCann, Dodds and Wallace. Um... Again, we mentioned how much money they'd spent on that team. Um, we didn't know how, how they were affording it, but we would soon find out. We'll see soon. <laughs> Fast forward many years. Um, many of these players had played at the, the recent Euros and the uh, many of them had starred for uh, Holland at the, the France 98 as well. So, any standouts there for you, Alan? No. <laughs> Rotten rot to a man. To be fucking nothing. Although, I, I did think... Um, 
I think it was Valhan in the the week leading up to it picked out Billy Dodds as the the main threat. Um, and he does score. Well, that's house was spot on. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, I always thought that. I don't think we spent too long in that goal, right enough. No, I always thought that um, Reina and Tugai always performed really well for them against us. Um, yeah, scum, subhuman scum. No time for them. Definitely. Um, and then the subs for them as well. They had Charbonnier, another big signing from France. Bob Malcolm, <laughs> another big signing from Motherwell. <laughs> Two guys as you mentioned, Kanchelskis uh, and Lovenkrantz. Um So. This is before Lovenkrantz really started to become a real thorn in our side. I think side. this is his first season. He was a yeah. youngster, wasn't he? I'd said to you about um, Bob Malcolm around that time. Um, he, I think his family had a... I went to St Andrews uh, secondary in, in Cantine and um, his family had like a... a not a tuck shop, a lunch shop. I did filled rolls, etc. Right across the road from the school. And um, you know what it's like at school? You would maybe get handed... Every so often they would give out like a Bible or a wee book or something, and uh, I think some someone had asked them to sign it. I don't know if they were winding them up or not. Presumably, as a Bible, and they played for Rangers, but um, he signed the front of it, FTP. Never even, not even the insert or nothing, right in the right in the front cover. It did a bit of previous for that, didn't it? As well, did that to somebody, somebody yeah. else? I remember. Yeah, but um, I was always, boy. I was always kicking about outside the. Uh, outside the, the lunch shop, uh, I honestly just whenever I see Bob, I Malcolm, whenever no. I see Bob Malcolm, I always just <gasps> like a Neanderthal. <gasps> I'd rather go to the Fiesta chip shop just along from <laughs> where there was no to be <laughs> maggots <laughs> in the <laughs> chips. <laughs> there, was there was no to be maggots in the chips, but it's better than eating from. Uh, well, I chowed them down with pride <laughs> <laughs> rather than uh, rather So. Straight into the game then, and we don't have to wait too long for the first piece of action. And after East Anglian, North West and London derbies, it's high time Chris Sutton stop pussyfooting around. He's about to discover the real thing, the mother of all derbies. This game is what it's all about. It's why players play, it's why supporters support, and Stuart Dougal says it's why referees referee. Oh, imagine it. It's often been debated down the years as to which was the best old firm game, but it's quite simple, really. The best old firm game is the next one. It gets to you like that, and the next one is here. Yeah, both managers have been trying to play it down in, but uh, this is a biggie. Psychologically, this is a biggie. A Celtic win today would signal a rebirth under Martin O'Neill. A Rangers victory, well, it would let them claim the high-sought psychological ground, and they really had Celtic in a psychological armwork over the last decade. Bobby Petter with an early surge on his old firm debut. And he'll get a free kick. Well, that's what Martin and he will be looking for plenty of this afternoon. Bobby Petter, full tilt here down the left-hand side, clearly tripped here. And he gives Celtic a free kick. Well, in fact, Stuart Dougal's given the corner. Maracic sends it in, and Stubbs and Larson are there, and it's turned in by Chris Sutton! Unbelievable! Chris Sutton makes an immediate impact on his old third debut, and Celtic are in front! Well, I bet he can hardly believe his luck in. A gift from God for Chris Sutton. Lorenzo Amoruso screaming at the, at the stand side linesman for offside, and it sets up nicely for 
sitting at the back post. I think he's on. Two Rangers players on the goal line. It breaks perfectly for him. Stefan Kloss with no chance whatsoever. And as you see there, he's well onside. And Celtic, Chris Sutton and Martin O'Neill have the start of their dreams. Yeah, so an absolute barnstorming start. Um, we'd mentioned before about Sutton giving it big licks in the press. Um, and I liked that arrogance that he had because he could back it up and within a minute he'd scored. And just before we get to the goal, I think it kind of set the tone. Um, the pass sort of down the left um, that set mm-hmm. Peter free. And the way that he skips by Rickson. Um, Do you think, he, see, I always thought that he kind of purposely runs over Rickson. I like, think so. I think he does. He's kind of hold. He, he's kind of rubbing his uh, his, head. his head as if he's taking a wee knock. Because I remember we used to always watch that, and you think, yeah, he's doing a head knock in the first couple of minutes here because the next fifteen twenty are oh, not aye. good. <laughs> really not good. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I, I always just felt that, like you know, it's like I mean, it's not a foul because as a call that's given, but I, I always wondered. And Peter took a knock on the. The Thursday night game as well because he was there was a bit of Dubai over whether he would, would make it yeah would play or not and then I think the point Barry makes is really important see so just the way it, it does set the tone being direct being aggressive um, and obviously you don't know it's going to start but you can even listen to that I mean I, I can't help but just smile see so just all the commentary throughout this game I kind of feel like I can recite it yeah, to be yeah. honest and hearing that but the background noise, you know what these games are like, you know, you've been to good ones, bad ones, ones that just kind of, you shrug your shoulders at, it does settle down a wee bit, but not if you, I mean, there's been nothing like that, I've never experienced anything like that at that moment, it was, the atmosphere was already raucous, you were so amped up because, you know, the atmosphere, this is 50 seconds, this is 51 seconds into it, even get a corner at that point, you're like, Uh this is what a start, and that's not you thinking we're going to score from it. That's you just thinking we've set the tone. And then when he scores, some people say they remember exactly. I remember the ball falling to him. And then just, I just don't remember anything after that. It was just, it was pandemonium. Like nowadays, somebody would film it and say like limbs. Uh-huh. But I genuinely, I remember like the days after the game, obviously there's a lot of goals, but I just remember having bruises like all over me. Because I'm a wee guy, so, you know. You'd, the guy next to you would just pick you up and fucking throw you about. It was just, it was just incredible. And I start like that. You're not even thinking, great, we'll win this game. You're just thinking, brilliant, we've got a goal to celebrate. That's so it. at least I've enjoyed myself. Uh, it's just incredible. The point that you make as well, Gal, but Peter may be leaving that in it. Just kind of the whole that 51 seconds, whatever it. It's as if the team have taken literally what O'Neill would have said to them: like, <laughs> okay. be aggressive, yeah. be right on them. If you need to leave something in, do it. Mm-hmm. And try and get an early goal, and within fifty-one seconds, we've conquered all of that. Um, Even like the finish from Sutton, I just—you can watch it so many times, and you just look and you think it's as if he loses. He just—he puts everything into making sure that he just makes contact, and then because he kind of loses his foot right after, it's just a bizarre finish. But it's um, the delivery is the delivery is superb, and the delivery on the day is incredible for yeah. you know a, a couple of the goals. It's it's just great to watch. Like Barry's got it on the screen now, and hearing that it just it, it does it's one of those it, the commentary so vivid, it just takes you back and, See, and that's it's a really nice film the um i remember watching sports scene that night um and they were talking about the offside a lot 
yeah. you know people think now that they talk about Celtic like that with offsides and the VAR stuff and all that they're going on and on and on about it they went on about the offside for quite a while in, in that sports scene I always remember because I taped it and I watched it quite a bit but there was no YouTube kids so even yeah. the way Lubo walks over to take that corner there it's it's a stride over it's a strut everything about it is just, and I know that's entirely applying context to it oh, yeah. but it just even the way it just goes up just puts his foot through the bus. It's, it's football one on one. It's it's great to see. See, just the, the the point that you made, Alan, about never experienced anything like that. As we'll come on to the first eleven, twelve minutes, whatever it was. <laughs> the closest, and again, this is different because it was right at the start of the game. But see, going back to February of last year, mm-hmm. where yeah. the two goal, the second and third goal, so quickly. Together. Yeah, yeah. That's the closest that has come to tap. that. Double tap. It's, it's, it's catching on. It's <laughs> catching on. You knew this day would come. Acknowledge me. But it's almost like the stadium can't catch its breath. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly that. Yeah. Um, and then within a few minutes, we find ourselves, as Alan says, with a with a corner. It, it is like, see when you say the like, stadium can't catch its breath, it's like, you know how when you're out with friends or whatever, and you've got maybe... You've got the sensible one, and then you've got the one that oh, maybe used a couple too many. And you need you need the sensible one to just kind of go. I ah, just you know it's fine. Just take it easy. easy. We'll just get a water next day, whatever. See, in this day, it was kind of like everybody was just Don't, like, yeah. have another, <laughs> get another, have a word with yourself, keep going, and because it did just kind of, it felt like the pace, the pace of the game never really slowed down until well after the. the, have, the first if you were to make like a TikTok or a, a Instagram short, whatever they call it now. The ideal sort of clip to come in would be to be the McCall saying, "Fancy another one." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing it was great though. We this new this new number nine, and he comes in and he makes a certain impact. Absolutely superb. Very good. Well done. Nice. Good. <laughs> I still think there's a future for the the puns and Celtic uh, titles and DVDs. To be honest, oh, aye. I, I mean, <clears throat> uh, what do you call them? Um, a Tony Roper in the treble video. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Superb. So, as Alan <coughs> alluded to, we get another corner and Lubo does strut over and what a delivery. Celtic seeking a second. Maracic sends it in and they have a second! And it's Petrov who wasn't picked up and it gets better and better for Martin O'Neill and for Celtic. A quite incredible start. Marking here at the back post from Rangers. Stelian Petrov just runs up from under Whitson. Good ball in by Maracic, but the marking is woeful there. Plenty of pace in the ball into a great area for Petrov to come and attack it. But Whitson, well, he fell asleep. Absolute bedlam. Um, and just on the, the corner technique, I don't think I've ever seen anyone take a corner like that before or since. Um, it's the way he runs up and he absolutely... Rattles it. Rattles it, <laughs> aye. Hardly any height on it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... It's not... It is fired in. Um, it bends yeah. right to the yeah. back post, like... It's, it's almost as if it would have gone in. Like, I know it wouldn't have, but... Was, <laughs> <laughs> was, the way... I mean, he would go on to score yeah. that season somewhere yeah. from a corner, but the way... It's almost like a shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. you see that... Um, you see, like, players try and do that shot from the byline, try and curve it in. But Petrov... Just sheer determination goes back to what I was saying about it's as if they took what Martin O'Neill told them literally be aggressive, be on the front foot, make sure you win every ball. Mm-hmm. And 
the defending is, as David Proven said, the defending is poor, but it's the sheer determination of Petrov to get on the end of that. Um, and then the celebration right in front of them is yeah. beautiful. We, we got to do it a couple finger. of times. Yeah, the finger. Yeah. Love it. He loved that celebration. I, I, what I really like about it is the, it's almost like he gets there just a wee bit too early and you're and all he has to do is make contact, really, because he's so close. He's, he's maybe only, what, three, four yards out. The momentum. And it's almost like he has found himself just in this incredible position. And you could you could almost imagine panicking and, you know, making a bit of a meal up, but he doesn't. It's 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 a beautiful, beautiful goal to watch. Um, I mean, the thing about that goal is it's just... Goal, he's not getting that. He's absolutely no chance. It's almost just about timing, really, because the technique is undeniable from, um, from Maravchik and... He's like a steam train, just like powering through, and it's just all, all he, as Alan says, all he has to do is make contact with it. So, really, the most important thing in that goal, I think, is timing and um, time to perfection. Considering he's wearing a football top that weighed about five kilos <laughs> as well, <laughs> yeah. and that was way if it was sweaty, then it had about ten kilos on it. It's, it's like very, it was the second version of it as well because remember the first one had to get recalled. I, was... I had the, I had the one and it bobbled. Aye, that's right. I pure bobbled, <clears> and my mum had to send it back. Yeah, um, but the feeling in the stadium was just indescribable. Yeah. On the back of a horrendous season, um, as Gal outlined, that we were finished 21 points behind them. We had been abject in that 4-0 performance, and I don't even think O'Neill in his wildest dreams, I think he said that, since couldn't, couldn't believe the start that we'd had. Um, just... Yeah, maybe describe what it was like where you were at that point. Um, so I was, uh, as I say, the Jockstein stand. So like everything's playing out in the far goal from me, um, and uh, it's great because I, I love that seat because you could see on a really good day if it was, you know, you could see everything kind of play out really well, um, and you weren't too far away when they were shooting down towards you. Um, I, I just bedlam. I mean, it's really hard to. It really is hard to describe. Um, I think a, a good reference, good modern day reference point probably is that 3-0 game because um, that 3-0 game kind of felt quite old school in regards to it was just that game. It was almost like there are some games of football that you watch in at Celtic and the context, you can't lose the context mm-hmm. whereas sometimes it's just this self-contained story and that's what this uh, that's what the 3-0 game felt like and that's what this game definitely felt like it felt like a self-contained story that everyone just forgot about the season before and everything and just really focused on the football and that was all down to the pace and the tone that was set by the players I think that's because you apply I think the way I try and always look at these and you think right how would if this happened now how would they react and and I'll be honest as if we went 2-0 up against Rangers that we daft annoying rational side of me would maybe kick in a wee bit and you would love it but then you would sit down again after you know that minute or two and you would maybe think it's still really really early I, I genuinely don't think at that time I even uh, even occurred to me Give a and it was fuck. exactly <laughs> right. because you'd actually you just thought just enjoy it like and I, I think I'm can be very very guilty of it like sometimes you do try and hold yourself back a wee bit because you're like, you don't want to almost look daft if it doesn't work out whereas Ten years old, and you've just two nothing up against a team that have dominated for years. So you just think, who cares what happens in three months? Enjoy it whilst it comes. It's not like now where we've been here, we've experienced. That's not to say you don't enjoy it, but it's not a unique feeling at this point. I wasn't at the five one game in ninety eight, so this was like the chance because my dad was at that game, and I always remember talking about how good it was, and you kind of felt as if you'd missed out. 
But this was right at the start of O'Neill. This was prime, you know, this could be your day like that. And I just remember thinking, 2-0 up eight minutes in, it might not get any better, so I'll just enjoy it. It's, it's, just, a, it's just an incredible feeling. The 5-1 the game is a good point to mention because I think even at this point, the game's only eight minutes old, as you say, but it felt entirely different. Um, I, I don't know... Maybe when you see the highlights again, but see the pace that Celtic move at, particularly for this third goal coming up. It's like it's almost as if you're watching it fast forward. Like the pace of Petr, Petrov goes out to join him, and then they have a wee sort of triangle with Lubo, and it's like unreal. Like mm-hmm. it's I keep going back to that sort of determination. It'd be like men never possessed. stop. Yep, aye, that was it. It's, it's the dig for uh-huh. that for that goal as well. See, I don't want to be that guy, but you know, a lot kind of like if if this what if this game did happen today. Um, I think everything like we're doing a podcast about this game. Like there was no podcasts back then. Social media wasn't around back then. There was for me. Maybe this is just a personal thing, but I tended to enjoy it in the moment more than I do now. And and I, I think that's just the experience of consuming football is is very different now than it was then. And maybe there was a certain naivety to that, but like it just felt like when that second goal goes in. The first goal goes in, you think, "Oh my God, we're in the we're in the lead." The second goal goes in, and you think, "What the fuck is happening?" Because we've taken the lead against Rangers, and that's fine. But what's going on? That, that moment for me definitely came in the third goal. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the uh, mm-hmm. like, and I'm saying that as if I'd been at Lords, where I've been, you know, going <laughs> to an hour. But for whatever reason, I think the third goal. I remember, and maybe it's a maybe we could. Maybe I'll, I'll hold back and I'll come back to actually after we've you know, okay, talked yeah. about it a bit. Yeah, I, again, I, I totally agree with you, Gal, that living in the moment because there hasn't been anything like this since. We've had big victories, we've won the league against them, we've cuffed them at Ibrooks, but there was nothing. I think I've said this in a pod before. See, if you could bottle 10 minutes, 11 minutes of any Celtic game. It's this. It was this, yeah, because that, this feeling is incredible. 11 minutes would really be ideal as well. <laughs> that extra minute we could lose out badly. See when uh, Lubo <laughs> tees it up for London and just cuts it off. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the table. But as I mentioned, the speed that Celtic have that ball in the, the left-hand side and Petrov does absolutely terrorise Rickson, um, turning him inside and out. And then he made me kind of plays for a foul, um, as we'll see, or you'll hear. But the determination to make sure something may work an opening, um, and as you'll hear now, how beautiful it was. Maratic could be in, and they're queuing up here! It's another one for Paul Lambert! Three for Celtic! And in paradise, this is the stuff that Celtic dreams are made of! Bobby Petter was fouled white right. They let the play go on. Claims for offside. Maracic clearly on though. Checks back has the presence to pick out the supporting Lambert. Amaruso can't get close enough to him to close the shot down. Maracic has time to look up. He sees Lambert. And Lambert could not have struck it any sweeter. And well, it's mission impossible for Rangers now, Ian. Absolute dream, man. And just. This is what it said. This is what Celtic dreams are made of. Indeed, that sort of inf- or famous commentary. But see, is that f- they kind of call it chops now, which I hate in football. But see the way that Lubo has that sort of kind of clearness of mind to do that, 
and time just seemed to stand still at yeah. that point. Like when he does that, because it's so in the box, you're hoping someone please just be arriving, and then Lambert just does what he has to do, smashes it in the bottom corner, and Alan and I were laughing there because there's a guy in the in the coverage who just seems to be almost like in the middle of an orgy for one of a bit, <laughs> probably having a better time than he ever would have. But that just is that encapsulates what it was like in the stadium. Like it was yeah. just unbelievable bedlam. Yeah, and it was funny when we were watching that there. Hey, we could see it in the screen. That's the, I always from the sky because I remember my brother didn't go to this game, so we taped it at home, and the hope that it might be one that. And that tape just oh, we just used oh. it for years and years. You just watch it every summer or every Christmas, any time off school. But it's always that guy celebrating, and that's what I was kind of touching on maybe a wee bit before this goal was the the celebrations that seemed markedly kind of different to the first two. The first two was just like sheer joy, jubilation. This was sheer joy, jubilation. But then it it, it was almost like it quickly dissipated and it was just like shock around yeah. the stadium because, you know, some t- it happens very, very rarely. It has happened other times, but where a Celtic score, there's real, everybody goes crazy and then it settles down and then it's almost like you just hear the kind of din of people talking to people beside them and it's like, we're not quite singing, we're not quite jumping around, but we know we should be doing something. It's just, that's what this, this is, the moment you had at 2-0 was the moment I had at 3-0 where I thought, wow, this is, I mean, the five one at this point, you're thinking oh, this is going to eclipse it. This is this is mental, and the goal it just brings. <clears throat> I'm going to say this for every single goal, and we've not even got to the best goal yet. But as you say, when Lamp, when Mravchik cuts back, it's it's the fact he sits Barry Ferguson down as well because he loses his footing, and we see Lubo do that so many times, so many times against Rangers, where he cuts from one foot to the other and just completely baffles. I just it felt like the pass from Mravchik though to Lambert felt like an age yep. it felt like Paul Lambert was running from beside Johnny Gould <laughs> I mean it doesn't it's, it's literally it's, it's like half a second but it just felt like because the finish from Lambert is something that I don't think anybody ever really because it, it bends away and it kind of has to because it has to go through a ruck of players and it's just at that point you just thought I mean we're three nothing up at this point you, you start to get ridiculous and think I mean we could this could be double figures and you're just thinking this is amazing <laughs> That's the point we think. No, I can fucking enjoy it now. Like this is madness, and we are going to absolutely hammer them. See, see with the um, the, the finish, I think you re- you make a good point, Alan, because like in the commentary it says they're queuing up here, and, and it makes it seem like it's a tapping, no. and it's really not a tapping because you know L- Lambert's composed, he's got good technique, and he just. I think he was probably, as he was coming in, he was just probably hitting, thinking, just get on target, just get on target. Just keep it down. Yeah. And just keep it down. But the, the actual finish is, like, if, you know, very, very good. Um, and I tell you what, see see as Moravchik passes the ball out, and I know he doesn't, right? I know he doesn't, but I still think he does. I think he kind of turns to the crowd and, like, like in my head, he's, all, <laughs> he's always kind of celebrating before the goal's hit, kind of hit. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever seen the, and this will be my only foray into American sports culture, okay. have you ever seen the great picture of LeBron James as a, I think he kind of assists, I think it's Dwayne Wade, and LeBron is wheeling away, and Celebrating. Wade hasn't even put it in yet. It's genuinely one of the most iconic images in sports, but, and it's like, because he knows he's done his job, and he has almost got like full faith that, he's going to finish that it. it will be finished off, and he wants to do something that's so gallus and so incredible. 
And that's kind of what Lubo, I mean, that's what Lubo, he, he cuts back here and he's <clears throat> calm enough to just roll it in. There's no panic, there's no overhitting it or underhitting it or not quite getting it right because he's as good in his left foot as he is in his right, so it doesn't matter. And the finish from Lambert, just just enough of the outside of the boot to take it away. And I always think with this one, that must have been a great feeling for him scoring against Kloss. Um because I know like they they had the kind of rumbles about and that, so it must be a great feeling, especially the way you score it. I mean, he scored, it's not even the best goal he ever scored against Rangers, <laughs> but it's a pretty special one. And yeah. at that point, yeah, thinking we're going to win the game. How many are we going to win by? It does change a wee bit, but it's just that. If I could go back to any time, I think it would be hard to beat the 6-2 game. I, I think I'd be lucky to see anything like that ever again, to be honest. I agree. I, completely I wish I was older, because in my memory it would be slightly better. Because you don't think when you're 10, I better remember this. Or you don't, you know, you're not getting anywhere to store it. You just, yeah, uh, I was thinking that, but my memory's got worse as I've got older because you start to add alcohol into games. <laughs> yeah. I only had the six cans before this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> my mum, you watch yourself. <laughs> <six> <laughs> <cans> <laughs> <of three. laughs> but see, um, there's a point, um, and it's often missed out in the highlights, but I'm almost certain it was still when it was 3 0, where Larson goes one on one with Claus. Claus. And um, he tries to take it around him, and Claus just picks it up. And I remember thinking, see if that had gone in, mm-hmm. like complete. Collapse. It could have been ten, um, and it seems petty to say because we would go on to win six two. But I just remember how the stadium would have been if we'd gone four. Or if Larson had done what he always tend to do and go around the keeper and put it in. But I just remember if we'd went in four 0 at half time, I literally don't. You do wonder what they are or four one. Four one, yeah. Right. You, like their team top. If we'd went four 0 up. Yeah. Their team talk, I, I don't know what you do, I don't know what you say. I think it's quite interesting, there's a couple of things. One, it does change a wee bit after this goal, as in, like, you, you're comfortable, that, yeah. but they genuinely do put us under quite a bit of pressure. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that as we come kind of near a halftime. But I do wonder what people, so say you were born, I don't know, like, say you are born like mid-2000s, so you, you, you have an awareness of the result probably, just through Celtic folklore. But if you were to six two when you look at it, you think well, it's it's a good comfortable win. But the way we think about the six two game, we think like it was this de- you know, demolition derby. Exactly. And I, I do wonder if you if people maybe twenty years younger are aware of the context of it was six two, but it was entirely unexpected. It wasn't like, you know, Rogers winning the cup final with these and that's not a downplay that because I love that as well and I love that a lot, but it was just completely unexpected and it was like, it did herald that new era. And it's maybe a discussion for the end, but I do wonder if, you know, that way you kind of feel it saying, giving somebody a shake and saying, do you think it was good? Well, it was better, you know? <laughs> no, but I mean, you literally said at the start, like, you know, or maybe it was yourself, Barry, like, uh, these guys are internet, these guys are Dutch internationalists. These guys are, this Rangers team, as we'd said, they'd done really well in Europe the season before. Like they'd went to PSV and they'd won, or maybe that was this season. But like they they impressed in Europe, and not the way that that Rangers team impressed in Europe last season. They actually kind of played decent football. Beat Parma times. away and stuff like that. As Beat well, Parma. They were in, you know, and and the fact is, um, to give us even more credit, we don't like giving Rangers credit, but they were a good team, and 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 it's it's hard to kind of hard to it's hard to admit that, but you know, like they they they'd won all their games as well, and this wasn't as Alan says, this wasn't like um. 
people were turning up expecting them to uh, us to like do them or anything because uh, it, it's you know it's comparable to the teams that Rogers fucking smashed. Like there's no comparison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just thinking as well. So the Dutch team had got to the semis. The World Cup in '98 and the semis of the Euros. Euros 2000. Yeah. Beating penalties, didn't they? By Italy. Italy. Yep. Yeah. So that shows you the sort of calibre of. I've only got two had. Dutch players in the team. I think. Aye, but it's two. <laughs> oh, three. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Aye. Oof, geez, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but like guys like Kinchelski, you know, he's still still Premiership winner in Man United. You know, Amaris. So, like all pricks, and we hate them all. Aye, but all right. you know, aye, calm down. That's plenty. Aye, that's enough. Um. And interestingly enough, I know we're kind of jumping forward here because so much of the, the first half was condensed into that first 11 minutes or so. But Rangers do go up the parking score and weirdly it comes from one of those liberal corners again. Like, maybe just don't put so much on it. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've, you know, we've seen the trick once. Calm that's, down, that's keep it for the next time. I didn't strut over to the corner after that. Um, was it Reina that scored? It was, yep. It, um, but it was weird in the stadium because... Was it the, is that the header one? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's right I mean, it is over the line. Even I might admit now that it was over the line. But it was weird in the stadium because it did feel like a wee bit like we went 3-0 up. The game kind of petered out a wee bit. But they have kind of got a goal. And it's only 3-1 now and it's half time. And then that's maybe that brief wee period where you're thinking, oh no. Yeah. Oh, that's... Um, because it's just a, I, I remember it just being a, a weird goal I don't know if maybe we didn't think it was in at the time or it was unclear but I'm just kind of watching it back now and I'd looked at it earlier I mean it's I just remember the atmosphere being kind of bizarre and a bit flat even the kind of celebrations from their side I don't think were particularly you know what, when is the, when is the opportunity for Wallace when he scores that is that is that in the first half or is yeah that? it's just back on half time I'm sure yeah I we can because. 3-1, and as Alan says, you know, the, the start's outrageous. The start's incredible. Never seen a start like it. Um, then it does kind of... it does kind <laughs> Thank of, you, President Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it was outrageous. It was the best start of a football game ever. Um, but... Who was that? I don't know. I, I really don't know. But, but yeah, as you say, like... The, it's <laughs> not... puddling Trump. Fuck up. <laughs> we, were still, we were still in control, but they, they were obviously... They're a good team, and they score when they score, and it's three one. As Alan says, you kind of go, Ugh. but then uh, Wallace scores a fucking pretty outrageous goal um, from quite far out. Aye, but left off- foot out wide. It's offside though. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Aye. aye, So it doesn't count. <laughs> it's offside. It is, okay. It's marginal, but offside is offside. It's offside. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. One yeah. decision. You did well not to pin any of the goals in Gould as well. Well done. I'll give you credit yeah, for both that. Of them. <laughs> both of the goals, yeah. Um, but it was it was a real sort of warning sign, wasn't it? And it, it do, do, do you think? Sorry, to jump in, but do you think that Martin O'Neill put a rocket up their ass because he essentially conceded one and potentially had almost conceded a second? I wonder what. I wonder if he would have came in and would have went great start, keep what you're doing, what you're doing, or or if he would have went, you've dropped off. I think he would have. Yeah, yeah. I think and You'd be left with no real option. I yeah. think yeah, yeah, because you you don't want the best start I've ever probably had. Yeah. To go away and it potentially with a, a marginal offside goal, it could have been almost neck and neck going in. And, and I, I think as well, maybe just because Martin O'Neill, and I don't think he, I don't think he ever gets enough credit for it, but he was very clever. So I don't imagine he would have went in and you know thrown cups of tea about. But I would imagine he would tap into something in those players to kind of let them almost acknowledge that 
bear in mind what you did in the first 10 minutes if you play with that intensity you play with that you, you will him. get more goals and as opposed to going in and saying you know make sure you don't lose another I think he would go in and maybe try and tap into that a wee bit because he's a very intelligent man you know I always love it when they talk about Martin O'Neill and what did he like to do in his spare time he's like oh, try to kind of solve the JFK thing and <laughs> he was into but I think he, he was someone that just kind of like to try and tap into something in players yeah absolutely well, I think we've got to the the goal. Um, this is the goal that everyone talks about. Like it is the defining goal of this game, uh, defining goal perhaps you could argue of Henrik Larsson's Celtic career. Confident catch, and Sutton sets up Larsson here. Larsson, oh, he's in, Henrik Larsson. Think of the the punt from Gould up to yeah. to Sutton. That's a goal you would probably never see now because of the way that football's changed. Andrew would be like that. No, no, play it from the back, lads. Come on, all the way <laughs> back. Right, right, that's it. <laughs> but I love it. We're completely burning the current manager, <laughs> <laughs> who's been extremely successful yeah. because we're enjoying it until he wins six to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's a goal that you you relive, and I think I've said before that I remember clearly the view from my seat and I thought it had gone miles over the bar because of how high Larson chips it for it to come down but even the pace that he's running at the ball I think that's often forgot like to have that control to have the nutmeg and then to have the sort of quickness of thought and I know that became a sort of trademark goal of his that he would often chip the goalkeeper but it's unreal and I think all the plaudits you hear from me and Crocker and um, um, David Proven are they're burned into your head but it just smacks of world class that's that's all you hear and it's exactly what what it was this is the point i think where we have the hardest task how do you describe a goal like that i mean I'd, you know you get the, is it desert island discs where they you know you can go on a desert island and you've got one song or whatever it is i genuinely see if i could get like a, i don't know at that time an, an ipod video that showed that goal I would don't put anything else on it it can hold 5,000 hours just put that on 5,000 hours worth it's just it's just magical and I, I think even the sound like we we all kind of looked at each other there the moment the anticipation the noise of the chairs hitting the back of the seat it's it's almost just so vivid and the, at, at that time I don't think I always remember talking after it and for years after it, even when we talk about it and, you know, it's one of those great I was there moments as a Celtic fan. I don't think anyone expected them to do that. I think that's the thing because it's a chance, it's a good chance, but nobody expected them just to have that audacity to do that. And it was, I think it's a piece of quality and skill that I never probably thought up until that point that, we had or would see anyone that could do that and then you see that and you 
immediately it's just world class. Um, it's, it's, it's just a goal you never tire of watching. It's almost to that level, and I don't know if you guys are the same. Like, see, when we were doing the rundown for this and we're thinking about, right, we're going to do the game, you almost take watching the highlights, you kind of think, ah, I thought to myself earlier, I probably don't need to. Aye. Because it, this goal is so burned into my brain that everything from Sutton out muscling the defender to Larson taking the first touch, which has taken to get the ball because it's bobbling a bit, then the nutmeg, it genuinely is. It's I don't need to watch it to even see, think about it. But I did enjoy watching it again. See my, um, see my foot, like, I've watched that game... That, that goes so many times and I've tried, like, just right now, my foot's moving into that wee chip motion. Like, when I'm watching that, whenever Larson does the, the chip or lob, my foot always does it with him and it always has. It's such a weird sort of... Deft Like, the touch, way, you yeah. just do that touch-like thing. Um, we were, I was right behind it, right behind the goal. Um, it, it's just... It's, I think it's probably the best goal I've ever seen live. Yeah. I think you take it for granted now. Yeah. I, I, I do think we take it because you look at it, because you've seen it so many times, because you almost... But the, the one thing that you don't get from watching it on highlights is the the shock element. Yeah. The whole stadium expected them to try and go around them, to try and smash it, to try and roll it. I don't think anyone in that crowd of 60,000 people has said he's going to... But it's, you're right, taking it. Is that a lob? Is it a chip? Because... He doesn't, it's not, he doesn't flick it over him. It's, he just kind of lifts. It's a good. It's a, a dink. Right. I, it's, it's, I just think it was incredible. And it's had more, he missed, he would have, uh, the stadium would have been fuming probably. Um, because this isn't Henry last in 2003, uh, 2004. Yeah. He's still got that level to go up. On so the he's not quite of, God yet. On the back of that chance to go 4 0 off as well. So that's probably why he went for it. He's like, I'm not doing that again. Um, it's more Carol Poborski than it is Dawal Suka. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very good. Um, what what I would say about that, um, see, if you are like we we always kind of, uh, I think one of the thing things about doing these podcasts in regards to this sort of time is um, there'll be people our age who will just um, kind of be living it with us, like oh yeah, absolutely. But then there'll be people who are younger, as Alan, as you say, if you're born in the mid twenties, uh, mid two thousand. Sorry, like um, you know. We've had in recent times we've had quite a run of kind of uh, superstar strikers, you know, Mister Dembele, um, then you know Edward, and then Kyogo. You get Jack Marcus is there as well, and they always they, they, all those guys have scored lots of goals and they've had flair. This Larson, it's hard to comprehend or to explain. Larson was kind of not the first one, but kind of the first one where you were like. This guy's bringing something to our team that I've never seen before. Or, and I know he's not 2003, 2004 Larson, and he has just come back from a leg break. But I, I don't know. There's just something that this seemed to be that that goal, this goal. I think everyone was like, Larson's fine. Aye, Larson's fine, he's and he's a superstar. And I tell you, see the play that he had, and this is something I'll never understand. In regards to O'Neill breaking up Larson and Sutton, was some of Larson's best play came with Mark Viduka, mm-hmm. and some of his probably his best play overall came with Chris Sutton. Yep. And I always wonder why would you break that up? And I'm sure he had his reasons. And you know, John Hartson was brought in; he was a great goal scorer. But I always think maybe just of how, how how far could we have gone if because the physicality, physicality element 
the team we'd had over the last couple of years, no one's gonna no one's gonna barge into Amoruso like that and win no. that ball. And it's you know, we always talk about the finish, which is outrageous and incredible, but the key point was the winning of the ball by Sutton. And I just think it was wonderful masterful. Definitely. Um I think as well the point you made, Alan, about we sometimes take this goal for granted. Like we've done so many pods picking our best eleven where we discard Larson because it's almost too obvious. Yeah. I think we have a tendency to do that with this goal. Yeah. Pick your favourite Larson goal that isn't the six two game because it's it's taken on mythical status, isn't it? Mm. Because and as you say, it's you can see it in your mind's eye. Like yeah. um it's just perfect. But it's the other point that you made, Gal, as well, about we had superstar strikers before this, but it was short lived because in our lifetime anyway, the likes of the three amigos that we did the pod on. But I think Larson had the flair, but he also had the physicality, had mm. the work rate, so it was like a a hybrid of all of the best qualities put into one player and boy did he show it in this game I, I know that we'll move on to the next but on Larson on, on that I think one of the key things about him when you brought in De Canio, you expected it right away Aye. because he was you know a great player Van Hoy don't you knew he can be a profile you expected someone to come in and do it Henrik developed year on year and he developed that Celtic That's it. and he was good and then he got better and then he got better and then he got better and I think that's why then you developed that love for a player in that particular way because he didn't come in he could have come in and been a failure and we might have went oh well some some you win some you lose but he was good and continually just get better and better to a stage where I think most people acknowledge you could have probably played for any pretty much any world. team in the world world that class yeah so the game sort of progresses again and so we're 4-1 up 4-1 at this point and the only sort of analogy I can use here is it's like a horror film or maybe like even Jaws where everyone's having a nice time. They think, right, the shark's away or the baddie's <laughs> away, but it just won't fucking die. It just keeps coming back. <laughs> I've never seen Jaws, but I just like the idea. Right, we can all relax. The shark is away. All right, so you've had the horrifying narrator, moment. Narrator, the shark was not away. And it's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like oh, fuck, here he comes again. <laughs> it's like, well, you just fucking die. And spoilers, they do go on to die. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's how I thought. I was like, just look how happy we are. Can you just fucking leave us? <laughs> the barhead bears weren't finished. <laughs> they had their claws. Ravenous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, Rangers kind of carves open um, and the ball goes out wide. Um, cross comes in and I'm still not convinced that it is a penalty. Mahi goes up. Um, him and Wallace both kind of collide. Um, and I think Mahi's positioning because he's behind him. I think mm, yes. more... Side by side, it might not have been given, but they're given a penalty. Surprise, surprise. I think if we're talking about this nowadays in the agenda, I reckon I would say it's clumsy, which is as far as I would go. And it is, it's extremely clumsy. Um, and it's maybe cute attacking play because uh, he knows he's wrong side and all he needs is him to make contact. And boy, does he. I think the fact that it's Mahi as well. Yeah, I, He hadn't endeared himself I mean, to the Scottish I, referees. He, watching it back now, as Barry is talking, I can, and he, he I don't know what Mahi's doing. I mean, he's facing the wrong way. Even sure if he does, back, even if it? he does header it, you know. Um, oh, there's Henrik's going again. <laughs> <laughs> See when I said I'd never get tired. Of, <laughs> um, yeah, so Rangers break. Yeah, uh, I think Celtic were maybe too excited again. They just wanted more goals. It was me. I had smashed what? him right there. That's what I'd have done. Oh, and then Mahi does smash him right there in the box. Clumsy, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's the next angle of it that you'll. You really see Mahi halfway mid-air and Wallace just waits for him to come down and clatter him, to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean... That's one here, look. <sighs> yeah, see, not a lot of contact, actually, but my... It does look clumsy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that angle's probably... But also... Don't you know, get that at the other end. Uh, well, the, the, the thing is, just don't give them a... Just don't give the referee a decision to make. Oh, don't get put the power in his fucking... Jaws has just attacked a, <laughs> a nice family boat. <laughs> Hold on a minute. A nice family boat? No, a family, a boat. A, a family, family on a boat. Yeah, he's a bad shark because he's, he's not attacking criminals. He's attacking nice family boats. <laughs> family boats. Um, Brian. But as Davina, Davina McCall might say, fancy another one. <laughs> so... So that makes it 4-2. Yeah, 4-2. And Gal showing off that you can count. You mentioned, Alan, like this, when you're 3-0 up, all you're thinking is we're going to, we're definitely going to win. Yep. But I think that there's certain points with the game where the, the pendulum almost swings and you're starting to think, oh, fuck, like, not that we'll lose, but they might peg us back to, yep. they, might, they might draw. Um, it's important to highlight that um, we scored five minutes after the restart. Yep. Like so, we come back out ha- just after half time, and Larson's, you know, as Barry you said, Larson's mythical goal, um, the white whale. Some would say, uh, five minutes after, uh, so we get a goal pretty much five minutes after with Larson, and then five minutes after that they get that penalty, and then it's almost it's almost like five, five, and five. It's it's seven minutes after that that obviously Larson scores his next one, but it's. Sorry, uh, yeah, I. it's just a lot of goals, again, a, a, kind of a lot of goals in a small period of time. Yeah, and I think, I think looking back, you probably were, you probably weren't as worried as you are when you think about it, because you, it is changing every so often, but I think because you knew the quality that they had, mm-hmm. um, and you knew that they had goals in them, but you were just hoping that we could keep it, keep it going. Yeah, maybe a wee bit worried that it's going to, that there's as many goals in the game, it's a very old-fashioned way that I think about it, but see if there's two or three goals in the first 10 minutes of a game, you look at it and if I'm sitting at home watching it, even if it's not a Celtic game or whatever, you look and go, oh, there's more goals in this game, uh-huh. you know, cue a 3 nothing or something, <laughs> but that's the kind of mind, and I think when it goes 4-2, it is that, you know, the analogy you made is pretty spot on, but yeah, just, just, just let us okay. <laughs> Another analogy is because you're like a dog that's biting your knee, you're like, fuck, right, <laughs> we've had fun, the humans are talking. <laughs> Yeah. Big one, put that dog in the back now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Like you're almost thinking, I don't want there to be any more goals in this game yeah, because yeah. you run the. It's like tossing a coin that it might be for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but thankfully, Billy Dodds. Oh, it was always weird as well. Billy Dodds. You can see himself the way he wore that top. It was like a ninety. Aye, he's been a, a goonie for a professional football match. It's gone. Petter delivers. Lawson's header. He's done it again. It's a double for Henrik Lawson. Look how far out he is, it doesn't get any easier for strikers than this. But he should have been marked tighter than that. So, I mean, like, he's so far out. And I don't, okay, he's unmarked, but he's so far out, and like, you know, he's still got the keeper to beat and all that, and it's just, I don't know. But also, I like how um, uh, Davy Proven's voice breaks. <laughs> and he's the art of him! Well, it was only 45 at the time, so. That's true, yeah. That's yes. true. Um, but as you say, Gary is maybe 12 yards, 11, 12 yards out, and he's kind of wide of the post as it's well. It's the so angle, yeah, as well. It's the delivery from Petter. 
is excellent as well. It's you said right at the, the top of the show, Alan, like the delivery from the delivery all day, so from Lubo and from Peter and Larson just as he often did, just guided it into the corner and it's at this point you maybe start to think, right, we killed that shark bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I volleyed that shark an extra time. I, I think the the thing with this goal that always amazes me is the is the leap and the movement and the timing from Henrik. This is an underrated goal in that, yeah, he's in a lot of space, but see the kind of almost to do everything in motion like he did. Up it is a very clear up turn contact and. How long? I, I don't that? know how you teach that. I, mean, I, I don't. I mean, it sounds like as if it's just perfect. The way he watches the ball. I mean, he's up three seconds. It's, it's beautiful. Almost. Like it is just a beautiful motion, and I, I just love how dejected Kloss looks there. It's like there's not even any point in trying. It's it's a great goal, and I think as Barry says, it, it, it did at that point. But see, when you score the fifth goal, you don't have the energy to celebrate the same way you did the first goal, and I think at this point you are starting to just acknowledge that you're maybe seeing something a bit special. Um, and when you see a goal like that in any other game, you would probably wax lyrical about it. But the only thing you could talk about was, was the chip. Um, but that is, that's just, just fascinated that leap and the contact he makes in the ball is just incredible. The the astonishing thing is as well, there's still best part of half an hour to go mm-hmm. after this goal. And I've not seen the footage for a while, but I'm sure there's footage maybe from the North Stand where it focuses on like the far touch line and Larson does this sort of, it's almost like the, yeah. see the Conor McGregor work, like Larson just does this swagger um, and it just epitomised how good he was that day um, and he knew it as well, which was fabulous. I was thinking of one of the other things as well is, and it's maybe an unfair distinction, but when we had a genuinely talented player, when he scored it was happiness and joy and everything and I always kind of had that idea that, Rangers have always been a wee bit more snarly, like they've always, yeah. whereas Henrik, it was just sheer joy, you see him pointing up into the stands, it's just, yeah, it's just everything about it, it's like the, the perfect, the perfect day. Absolutely, um, it's, just, it's just, I think everything about what you guys have described it really well, just, Larson's, I'm going to borrow, a, going to borrow a kind of phrase from American sports, but Larson's hang time, for that goal is like really really good his and hero was Michael Jordan that's true yeah maybe that's where he learned it that's his obviously his son's called um, Michael Jordan <laughs> <laughs> his son famously Dennis Rodman <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately, I was just like you literally said his name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just at five, at five two. I think um, I, you know, the sh- Jaws has bitten the big electrical wire um, in Jaws three, and um, I might watch this film. That sounds like a, a rip roaring ride here. Uh, no, because in Jaws one, they put the dynamite and it explodes the shark. Jaws three, Jesus. spoiler the. The 1972 film Jaws, spoiler. <laughs> I literally just told you I'm going to watch it. And you say, I they put a bomb in it and it explodes. I'm Sounds going very to watch it. To be honest. I will. You're know, you playing black and white. You'll, no, you'll love it. You'll love it. <laughs> we don't know. But to get to that point then, so obviously, as I said, there's the best part of half an hour and the kind of dying embers of the game. Again, Celtic work it really well with Peta um, and Mahi combining. And then the, the cross is... Pitch perfect. Petter now has released Stefan Mahi. Have Celtic got another one left in them? Sutton is there! Yes, they have! Sutton scores! It's six of the best for the very best today! Celtic 
his tank, but he still makes sure he's at the back post when the ball comes in here. And he has to make up a lot of ground. You see him on the far side there. Times are run to perfection. Drifts off Amaruso. One touch is enough. And what an old firm debut for Chris Sutton. Martin O'Neill said all he lacked is confidence. Well, he certainly won't lack it now. He's a hero in the stand of Glasgow today. Um, it's funny because... Uh, you know, we're watching this as as the kind of we're watching the footage as the kind of commentary's going over, and you just see Tommy Burns just with his arm on the uh, dugout with a big smile on his face. I just I love that. Every time I see Tommy Burns, it brings a smile. But he just seems so proud and so happy to be in the dugout as that's happening. It's fucking excellent. Yeah, just a a fitting end um, to the match, and again that. Probably at the time as well, I was thinking now we can relax. I know I said that about the fifth goal, but because you know there's. There's virtually no time left. Um, there's no gas in the tank because it's all in Josh's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> How many more can I get with us? <laughs> um, but yeah, the cross, the kind of the way that Peta kind of springs um, Mahi and the cross is pitch perfect because when you see it from the the sort of far end, Sutton's got no real right to kind of bear amongst four Rangers defenders, and he just powers in there, and it's just. It's funny, like Alan, you mentioned the point you don't celebrate that the same way that you did the first three because you don't have the energy, but it was just sheer relief and like this is this is history we're we're watching at this point. I think the I would, I would agree with that, and I would also like when you mentioned Toby Burns, it's it's almost like he's watching on kind of like a proud kind of I don't know like a grandfather or something. Just you know how that way they sit back and enjoy everybody else enjoying themselves. Yeah, um, because obviously O'Neill. I've obviously not got the image, but the image of him, I think it might be, I can't remember which, which goal it was. When he's jumping when in the air. When he's jumping jump yeah. in the air and he's got the, the umbral joggy bottoms and the Celtic polo top on. Because we had, a, um, my brother had just a huge poster. I had that. the huge poster as well. Yeah, it, yeah it, I think everyone had we, that. We had that for years and it was just great because like, he is, he's maybe like a foot off the air and like, his kind of legs are bent up. It's as if they've said to him, we need like a promotional poster <laughs> for this film. That's perfect. Um, or like, a, a West End show or something. And it's just everything about it, the tucked in top, it's just takes you back to that time. And like, seeing them celebrate that goal, that that the celebrations for that are entirely different because as Barry says, game's done, you know you've seen something special. So you just sit back and enjoy it. And the, 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 the ball from Mahi is... Is incredible. If the Rangers are down to ten, obviously, because Barry Ferguson get himself sent off. But the ball from Mahi is great. And, but the, it's, it's very different. But it reminds me a lot of the Armstrong goal against them a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, at home where oh, yeah. just flat out, and we are still going because you take it for granted, you. But see when you like stuff your opposition and your rivals, and especially this early, it does have a demoralising effect. It's not to say you can't come back from it. But it does have a demoralising effect in that like, it's not like they scored five goals and they were lucky, you know, a couple of world-class goals and then they scored five goals and they were pushing for more, but they had the quality and they had the fitness to do it. And um, I, I think it is, I mean, it's, you'll never quantify the impact of that, but you look at the way we went on that season, that kind of relentless energy almost just swept through. And yeah, it's great. I, 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 I would never like to see a Celtic player when you're that comfortable in a game and you're down to 10 men, can I say, nah, do you know what, I'm happy with fours, fives enough? Absolutely not. I think that's a great point. There's nothing that gets the Celtic support more on side, I think, when there is that relentlessness. Mm. Um, it's like there's blood in the water and it's like a shark. <laughs> <laughs> blood in the water, the sharks will eat. But um, 
I think, if you think back to this season, see when we were 9-0 up at Tannadice, and I remember McGregor and Taylor were sprinting full, pe- full pelt to get the ball, to get more goals. It's the whole piling on the agony thing, isn't yeah. it? Like, And I think that's what maybe sets us apart from other teams, because you mentioned Rodgers as well, but did, did, I think there was that sort of full respect thing that he had at some point, where we'll maybe, we'll maybe take it easy. I think of the 5-0 game where we won the mm. league, we had like the best part of 40 minutes without yeah. scoring again. Whereas... Celtic throughout the history and the sort of three four attacking football, it's been go to the final whistle, like just attack, 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 and I think this is the sort of epitome of that. Um, this is the most goals we'd obviously famously. This is the most goals we'd scored against them since the seven one, and yep. uh, you know in nineteen fifty seven, and it's still the same now. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know it's funny, like we didn't really mention Ferguson's red card, but shall we? Because it's hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's funny because the similarities are there with the. The five one game as well because um, it's Scott Wilson that gets sent off. And that he kisses game. the badge as he walks off. Yeah, um, and it's just like they've disgraced themselves in terms of performance, in terms of defending, and then just a lack of discipline. Um, from, and he'll, he'll disgrace himself later that night as well. He will. Um, Alan, I know you had a, a quote from um, Arthur Newman, didn't you, about Jonathan Gould's partner sending off? Yeah, he did. Um, Arthur wasn't happy. Um, I suppose is the um, let me just try that um, <laughs> the Dutch defender said Barry only reacted the way he did because he is a winner and because of guilt he's not a winner not this day not it's this day just it's just um, I mean I think Ferguson was a captain already at this point. Yeah, he yeah. was. He? I think Ferg- so, uh, Advocate made him captain fairly early on. So Barry only reacted the way he did because he's a winner and because of Gould. The referee was provoked into giving him a red card because of Gould's actions. I was sitting in the stand quite close to the incident when he came rushing off his line like a crazy man. He ran 20 yards, screaming and demanding Barry be sent off. I don't think the referee wanted to send him off, but the disgraceful reaction of Gould left him with no alternative. I know it is easy to get carried away due to the atmosphere, but this kind of behaviour, although it was not illegal, is unsporting to say the least. Um, I just remember Gould kind of went over and it just it, it just goaded him into um, getting himself sent off, to be honest. Uh, and Ferguson ended up with four yellow cards. Uh, so he did. Did he? Yeah. Because right, remember he wouldn't go off. Fuck, so you wouldn't, that's right. He had a temper um, issue, which I believe probably still lasts to this day. And anger is a a serious emotion, so (laughs) be careful with it. No, I just, I always, he he always seemed like he he was quick to react. Uh, He's an angry, angry young man, and he never had a good weekend. And I know that. Obviously, because he was in a, a fracas that night, and uh, he, he, I mean, and he was a pro- professional footballer walking around with his Rangers tracksuit on and trying to get people flung out of the the Bodwell Bodwell Bridge Hotel yeah, for wearing Celtic colours, wearing he had the full Rangers tracksuit. Absolutely on. bizarre, man. Um, yeah, but I'm uh, just great. I always think I love how they talk about honour and dignity and all that now, and right. it's just like mm. I, I do like. See, it's great. Like one of my favourite. Remember the shame game when when Bouguera was grabbing the ref's hand and putting it in his pocket. And the one thing I always quite... And I was reading um, kind of articles from the time, just getting ready for this. And one of the things that they were... I think it was the next day, I think Mark Guidi was reporting that uh, the SFA were going to throw the book at Ferguson because he could have caused a riot. And then I kind of thought, oh, I wonder if they did. They didn't. And yeah. it was, it's the same as that shame game. You know, I think three, four Rangers players lose their head and the headlines the next day are these games, you know, we can't have night games and things like that. And it's like, I just punish the people that... 
can't behave. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it's nice. I like it when they both lose the head and get hammered. Um, so I, I'd, I'd watch it again. Uh, Barry, I've got the uh, post-match interviews. Will I put, shall I put them on? We always try to play as a team, but today we were really on fire. Everybody wanted really to win, as you always want, but today things went our way. No, I mean, you probably sense it when you come through the doors and now the manager's installed a, an unbelievable, I don't know, it's just a, an air of confidence, as you've said there. He, he makes you play better and uh, he, he makes you want to win. He's got enough of a will to win and uh, it's really good into the players and hopefully if we can maintain that, you know, you never know. I mean, it's a great, great win. Uh, you know, I know the, the feeling between the clubs and it's great to be a part of a winning, you know, Celtic side. But, uh, you know, the main thing is... is, is for us to win the SPL this year and uh, you know it's a good start I mean these, these derbies are important um, and it's, it's good for us to come out on top and you know maybe this year if we keep winning games they'll be playing catch up with yeah <clears throat> I think what kind of strikes me there is the the whole it's a bit the kind of buzzword from the season it won't be mentioned but the change in the culture and I think O'Neill bearing in mind O'Neill's only been on the job two full months basically came in early June didn't he um, and you can hear from experienced players there like Sir Lambert and Larson and Sutton about how they've instilled that will to win um, and a lot of people just assume you'll have that at Celtic anyway but because we'd been in through the sort of horrific spell the season before it did take a wee bit of time to rebuild it but it didn't take long and um, O'Neill had his firing on all cylinders Do you know I think when it, and but probably because we've been talking about this game now for, for a wee bit and it does take you back and it does make you smile. I'm at the stage now where I see even when I hear like Larson's voice, it just makes me think, ah, he was great. Like you could listen to him read a order of service for a funeral and you'd have a big grin in your face. It just and then just everything about it's perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm probably just mumbling, but it's just great. I've never heard the Lambert um no, one neither. before, actually. That's the first time I've heard that. Um and I know Sutton had a lot of quotes after it, because it's funny you mentioned Sutton being Obviously, he was quite bullish when he came in. Post-game, he was very sobering. Um, and O'Neill was the same. And I think we were talking about just before recording, maybe a wee bit. It did feel like the onus was then to put pressure back on them to say, well, they're still the best team. They've yep. still got the big, expensive the squad. The was the phrase, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and I mean, Sutton said it. O'Neill said it. And it was almost like, that's just the start. And, you know, yeah. you would imagine that would have been fairly important and, you know, racking up that lead that we got. Lambert as well, they're saying... We'll wait and see, or you never know what will happen, kind of thing. So yeah, kind of tempering expectations, but almost as if maybe you'd maybe think O'Neill has actually done that immediately post game, like you know that kind of classic you'd no won nothing yet type thing. Yeah, this you'd is imagine game. because yeah. when players do come out and they are that, your job as a manager is probably bring the players down after that. Like if that's the last game of the season, have at it. But at this point, it's just maybe about bringing them down. You've got another game next week. You're five games into the season. So, kind of maybe hints at that a wee bit there. Yeah, um, Fernando Rickson was uh, obviously substituted off. Um, and just to sum up his uh, performance on the day. <laughs> Shite. <laughs> <laughs> just- ah, they, they, were, they, were, they were really dreadful that day. They defending like... It's we look at it and say that the defender for the corner um, for Petrovs is just superb. May I say they were all at sea? <laughs> <laughs> you are in a wee battle here. This is I'm sitting right in the middle. It's like a tennis game. <laughs> just some other trivia, just to kind of before we come on to talk about the legacy. But some things that I'd forgotten about was that John Robertson had only been 
confirmed as assistant manager <coughs> sorry on the the Friday before the game and then the the following week um on the same day I'm almost certain that Alan Thompson and Didier Regat both signed so it's it's funny again thinking back to the how things were different then because I know it still happened in August but there wasn't the transfer windows that there is now I think it went to maybe the end of March you could sign players but it was just a boost and I always like how it seems to have happened throughout history when Celtic have a big result and then them like a couple of signings as well just to kind of we're going to we're not going to rest in the laurels, we're going to push on. And the impact that those two players would have over that season and then the following three or four was massive. So it was good to see um, how we were trying to build on that. The other point is that Rangers were desperate for signings to try and get the, the fans back on side, weren't they? They, they were linked with Raul Tamudo, um, Sergei Rebrov, John Hartson, um, I think Ronald de Boer came in fairly. Yeah, quite clearly. Maybe yeah. the very next week. So... They were hurting and they were throwing money at it to to try and get back back on top. Yeah, um, and I think that's something they always did. If they didn't have a result or things were looking, I remember they brought in Billy Dodds in like the February of the season. Was it the season before? And like they were, I remember they were kind of struggling for goals. We could never get quite back on track that the season before. Maybe it was Venglos' season. I think it was Venglos' Venglos' yeah. season, and we were off track a little bit, and we were trying to kind of write, write it, and it just wouldn't quite. Um, but we were doing okay, and Billy Dodds came in and just scored lots of goals. It was just very much a case of they would use their, they'd get the checkbook out. Yeah, and it tended a non-existent to be, checkbook. It would tend to be players who had kind of hurt them domestically as well. I think Kerry Miller. Yeah, McCann. Yeah. How knew McCann never signed for Celtic? I'll never know. But yeah, linked for years, wasn't he? But then just to, to kind of round off, then so. The legacy of this game, I think we've kind of alluded to it already, it, it changed everything almost, um, it gave us our pride back um, and it really sort of wet the appetite for what was to come, Alan. It, this is the start that preceded the best theatrical release since 1972 movie Jaws, the video, the treble, <laughs> which genuinely I still love. Um, it was great both to watch and to lock your doors with because uh, it was fucking huge. huge yeah, yeah. What was it three tapes? Three videos. Um, I want to get your teeth on it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get a last one, but nowhere near. No, it was just a magical season, and this is the the, the kind of crown jewel in it. And it's bizarre because it's so early, but this is one of the ones where it just fits the narrative perfectly to say this really did herald. In my opinion, let's go. It really did herald the modern Celtic. And how many titles have we won since that that this season? And how many titles have they won? I think they've only won like three or four. And yeah, we've won eighteen since then, something like that. Yeah, yeah. This was the thank you, Martin O'Neill. Yep, this was the maiden voyage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, that was. He will not stop. Uh, he will not stop. Never they stop. are getting weaker, right? To be fair. Uh, but no, I, you Your know. Phone will go during the night, by the way. Don't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I it just it, it kind of um, ushered in a new era for Celtic. It ushered in my favourite era of Celtic. It will take, and you know, obviously. You, I was eighteen. You guys were kind of younger, younger as well. But kind of, this is the this is my era of Celtic, and that it's very hard for anything to usurp this with what happened with O'Neill, with, with what happened with Larson, UEFA Cup, and not all that stuff. So, um, I I look at it in a in a way that I don't look at any other era of Celtic, and just very special. Um, but yeah, Celtic 
brought in players from the Premier League in England. They brought in uh, players of quality. They brought in a very specific type of player as well in regards to, we mentioned physicality, and but technique with Thompson and, you know, just, it's superb. It's just, you know, we actually had to end up getting the golf shoes because we put them in their fucking place. Lovely, yeah. I think, just to kind of round off, Gal, the point that you made, we signed winners, we signed battlers, uh, I think Sutton's maybe made the point before, but I remember like in the 90s and um, late 90s before this, we used to see the tunnel at Ibrooks with all that horrible mahogany wood or whatever it is, and your stomach, your Can't. heart would just sink. Whereas when it turned to having it panned along the Celtic team coming out, you had Sutton, Hartson, Larson, Mialbe, Baldi, um, Thompson, etc. You just felt, and I think Sutton makes the point, you almost felt like you'd beaten them in the tunnel already. And more often than not, that was the case. So it's been fabulous looking back at this time. Um, I think it is, it's still referred to as a 6-2 game and it means so much more than more than a game itself because it was the sort of springboard for all the success that we would have. Um, we've never seen anything like it since. Um, the only comparison, as I said, was that the, the back-to-back double-tap goals in February last year. But just unreal um, attacking football and a joy to behold. So I think we'll finish there. Um, I've been your host, Barry Gallagher. Alan, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. I, I loved it. Thank you. And Gal? Absolute pleasure. Uh, and I know a joke at the start, but I am honoured to be invited on this podcast. So thank you very much. Pleasure. Um, so this has been the Cynic Chronicles and we'll see you next time. And there's a touch of, uh, how you might put it, Iberia about this. Henry Larson again! Larson has scored! It's great play from Henry Larson. Trying to find the UEFA Cup. There's Hodge and he's done it! A penalty kick. Alan Thompson. He's done it and he makes it look so simple. Celtic a one-up. Really great feeling. This is a magnificent victory for a team and a manager that suffered a lot. Celtic are through to the UEFA Cup final.